This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. Okay, so hello and welcome to a very special version of the Wednesday Week. Not only is it special because I'm on it, because that doesn't happen much anymore, let's be honest. I go to a little quiz on a Wednesday. Um, Steve is here, but we're also joined by the one and only Mr Chris McClure, which, you know, might be a name that, you kind of know in the back of your head that actually, Chris, I'm going to tell you now, this is one of my chat up lines on Tinder or whatever. When people tell you like, oh, tell me something about yourself. And I go, do you know what? One of my mates has got the most famous face of a generation. Now you went for probably the most famous fag break of a generation. I want to know, has that set you up for life? Um, It's something... I will never, ever, I'd have to, I think I would have to find water on Mars. And even if I found water on Mars, they'd go, that kid off Monkey's album found water. (laughs) (laughs) That'll just stick with me forever. And for a few years, I grappled with it, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. I'd say, like, there were a period of time where it become a bit of a a weight on me, if I'm honest. And uh, because... It were all, it were all anyone ever referred to. If we went to a christening or a wedding or anywhere, it'd be like, which you would, of course. Like, by the way, do you know? And um, it started to become like this, like thing that were over my head. Um, but I've, since that, I've, it's lovely, really. I've come, I'm at peace with it, and it's, it's a mate. It's nuts, really. I mean, I went, I stopped at a mate's house in Liverpool uh, a few months ago, and. Uh, Kipped in his spare room and I've got him got in bed and he's got like thousand the thousand albums you must own or you know these sort of books and I'm flicking through it and bang it's like moments like face. yeah <laughs> and it's up and like some at records it's up again it's like one minute you're looking at Stevie Wonder and then like next minute you're like oh wow they're putting it in that like category and there is moments where it bends your head. Um, but yeah, it's just something that will never ever leave me, and I've come to terms with it. It's fine, and I suppose you know, the longer it goes on, the more I'm 
the more proud I am that I'd, I'll be associated with that time, in, especially in Sheffield. It's literally one of the greatest albums of all time. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong, I'm an Arctic Monkeys fan girl. Like, my cousin's Jamie Cook. I've not seen him in 20 odd years, but he is. Don't get me any free tickets, like, but he is. All for that. Um, <laughs> I'm from Sheffield, of course. My cousin's an Arctic Monkey. But, like, do you not find that? It's just something really bloody special to be, because it, it's your face, isn't it? Like the album's the album. Like we all, we all know that album. We all know certain songs from it. You know, there are, there are absolute classics that I will pass on to my children and I will hope they will pass on to their children. But to be that face that is associated with it, that's yeah. mental, isn't it? Yeah, but it becomes that's like... bigger than outlets, that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You become a bit numb to it. You're like, it's just this, it's just this thing that's been there. So like, because it's well, how long ago is it? Like 16 years now. It's like, yeah. I have to like have some. Sometimes when I get some perspective on it, I'm like, oh my god, that's crazy. But usually it's just like he's on Monkey's record, and it's like there's no emotion to it. It's like yeah, but like there is. I went to see him at Leeds Festival. Uh, just gone. Of course, we've had pandemic, and it's been a while since they toured. And you do get them moments where, like, there's hundred thousand in a field mm-hmm. singing them songs off that record, and you think, "Oh, you've yeah. got me in your house." You I'm, on, I'm on we your shelf. We, <laughs> we used to have a me and Andy. We, we were original bass player. We where do you reckon your like most random place your face is? And I was like. Well, uh, Prince Harry's definitely a fan, so I reckon I've been in Buckingham Palace. <laughs> That's yeah. mental! Like, you think of that, I reckon Jay-Z's got it. Jay-Z's got to have that. Yeah! Our pictures in Jay-Z's house, and we used to do that mad... It's just mad stuff like that, and you think, oh, yeah, like, really famous people have it in their house. Yeah, and they'll know your face as the album, because, I mean, we all did. Like, growing up, that was like... To be fair, you could have punched me at face and made a wall. I wouldn't have known who it was, but... As a face on an album, like I went to my mum and dad's the other week um, and I was sorting through some old stuff and that CD was there and I was like, that's great, that's mental. Like, yes, and I've been in people's houses before. I bet in early days when I, I like, obviously like you'd go to like parties or like you'd be around at someone's house and they'd have it on wall, but, and then you're like, shall I say something or shall I not say something? Nah, I'll not say something. And like, there's like a big poster on wall, but they're like, they don't know. Yeah. You just go back to like for an after party and that, so you just keep it quiet and walk out. And think so they, they, they never put two and two together and go, No, that look. <laughs> I don't think you'd notice me just from that image. So I think like you'd have to have someone pointing it out to you. Yeah. And uh, there's been, yeah, there's been moments where I remember getting Tube in London and all Tube Station were just that record. And I'm like getting on wow. Tube and no one battered an island. And I'm like, This is a bit surreal, isn't it? So how did it all come about then, Chris? Like, what was the... I've I've read it many a times in different magazines and whatever else, but what was the situation that you ended up being the front cover of a... Christ, like a cult album of a generation? Uh, I, I, we'd always been... We'd been friends for a few years by then. But we, pre, got, we became friends just before they formed the band and... Um, I went I essentially I went on tour, their first two UK tours. I think <laughs> they put me they put me down as a guitar tech. That is the loosest <laughs> term anyone could ever 
I couldn't even play a guitar. I couldn't even tune a string bass. They basically, I think, wanted someone on tour who would have made, who were just going to be normal. And uh, so it was me, band, and a guy called Tim Cleesby in a van. Like, Oh, I love Tim Cleesby. And now yeah, it's Tim great. Cleesby. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just us six on first tour, but it was, like, mental, like, crazy. By this point, they, they were way bigger than the sh- venues they were playing. And uh, and then it and then I got uh, I got transferred to merchandise, which <laughs> meant which was sound. And then um, they had two more guitar techs. But then then it was obvious it be, it was quite apparent at that point that they were going to be big, but not as what not to what they were. But we, you could tell it were going it were going to kick off. And uh, asked me if I wanted to carry on being on tour, and I I didn't. It just didn't feel right. I thought it's going to get too big this I'm going to get separated from it and we've had his laugh so I said no but and I wanted to I would live in Manchester doing a degree and um so I kind of left it and then they got in touch saying look we want some f- I'm sure I'm right in saying this that the album was going to be called The Weekend With originally okay. and it was going to be like a, a loose concept album of a of a guy's weekend out so it started on Friday tea time view from the afternoon and Makes sense, yeah. All the way through this night out and you know to Sunday evening where a certain romance is like reflecting on it all and where they are and which is cool in itself. So they, we did some photographs for the inlay, and each photograph represented a song. And I remember meeting a guy called Andy Brown, who's still around Sheffield. Um I met him at half of, like five in the morning and we walked down Division Street and round Sheffield, and then we went, we got on a train to Liverpool to meet the actual design company. And they said, can we just take a front, a facial front shot, portrait shot of you smoking a cigarette? Can you act like you're drunk? And I was like, yeah, whatever. But I, there was no idea what that was used for. And then I think either Alex or Andy got in touch and said, look, we like that image, but it's 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 fake and we need it genuine. Like, can you go can you go to Liverpool on a night out and we'll, uh, they'll give you some, design company will give you some money. So... Long story short, we went to Liverpool, me, uh, my cousin Tom and my mate Matt, and we, we met them about half 11 in the morning. They just gave me, I don't know how much they gave me, like, and they gave me like, it was, it was in hundreds how much money they gave me, and just said, look, don't come back with any of that money. Make sure you spend it. And uh, you can imagine, in them days, I would bang at it, and also we went nuts. And uh, got back to bar in Liverpool, Carova Bar, which is sadly no longer there, and she's like, you're not pissed enough. I'm like, trust me, I am. And uh, other stuff happened. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then um, we went downstairs and we were, like, underneath Liverpool City. You could see people walking above us as they were taking photographs, but I'd, like, kind of nearly, like, passing out. And they got on me a bin and I'm being sick. And I smoked a full packet of Lambert and Butler. Bloody uh, hell. We used to call them Lambert and Desperate. Uh, <laughs> I smoked a full pack of fags and we were just throwing up, but this like Polish photographer were just taking pictures. Anyway, I woke up in... They got us in a hotel. I woke up in Manchester. Tom woke up in Liverpool. Matt woke up in Sheffield. Car were in Liverpool. Car needed to be in Sheffield. It was like, what has gone on for you? And uh, Tom, that f- funny story from that night that no one knows. Our Tom walked, walked home to his mates in Liverpool and uh, thought he was going back to his mate's house and uh, walks in, sits on settee 
Woman comes down, starts screaming. You've got it it wrong house and sat down at wrong settee. There were a couple watching a film. Does that woman now know the situation? She'll never know. Like what were taken that night? Like why Tommy were in such a tangle that night? Why you were sat on the settee? That's mental, isn't it? So if you think now, if I woke up tomorrow and there's some pisshead on my sofa, probably damn fudge. Like, I wouldn't know if it was the start of... It's, it's like the next Nevermind by Nirvana. That's just yeah. a bit... <laughs> Wow. Um, and, yeah, and then they just said, we're using that image. It, it, it's great. When I saw it, I did think, whoa, that's a bit intense. But I didn't, even at that point, I don't think I realised truly what had happened until they come out. And it were like, there you go, have some mayhem for a few years because it's going to go... And it just went crackers. So, like, from I, that then, did... Sorry, Stevie, go on. No, I was just going to ask, from that point, I was just going to sort of say, you, you know, you talked about the point where you've seen it for the first time. At what point did it actually become, fucking hell, this is huge? The day it come out, the Monday morning. I knew on the Sunday, I knew that they were queuing from on Fargate all uptown, up, up city centre and stuff, and it were like, this is on another scale big. And... Uh, the thing is, like, with the Arctic Monkeys, Chris, is what a lot of people don't realise is that there was an underground scene, wasn't there, at the time? So, obviously, like, John and Alex were involved in the boardwalk, and I used yeah, to go to the graves all the time, and they used, we used to sell out. Up. It had been bubbling up, and we knew, because we'd been involved in that scene, but it just got bigger than anyone could handle, and, like, it, it, the secret were out by that. Like, it's massive by this yeah. point. And... Uh, I woke up on Monday morning in Manchester and my mum rang me and said, Chris, there's like six reporters outside house. <laughs> um, then I, I used to work at a pub in Grenner and landlords ringing going, Chris, there's just reporters everywhere. They're asking for interviews off people. Like, what should we tell them? And like, everyone just went, tell them to fuck off. Like, band didn't speak to media. We didn't, no, I weren't going to speak yeah. to them. So, and then I remember Fifth Avenue nightclub in Manchester. Um, rang me and said which were big like Indian night I suppose and they rang me and said look I bet you've had a crazy day why don't you bring all your mates down to nightclub and uh, you can have a free bar and you can you can party on so we had like top deck at night well I did band were nowhere to be seen I've got like top top level of this nightclub and it would just and they just literally played record that's all they played. They just played that record like six times throughout night and it was just mental. And uh, and yeah, just like it just... And then in following years, my brother's band were doing well and it was just like we saw things and we're in situations that were just like, how did we end up here? How did... How on earth have we ended up in this situation with parties you got to and people you met? And it was good, you know, it's... Uh, it were a, a moment in like, well, not even like Sheffield history, it's like proper national, like international music. Music history, that's, oh, yeah, to me, like for a generational thing, like that front cover to me is the equivalent of the Abbey Road sort of crossing the road cover. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, for a certain age, it? it's that important to that. There's certain records, isn't there, that like, whether it be like rap, or rock and roll or like even pop like there's certain records that like 
capture your generation and that was the record weren't it and i don't think that's a thing anymore is it because we don't buy i mean records are coming back into like into play aren't they but we we download on spotify or itunes or whatever yeah i I don't think it's a thing anymore that you have a physical representation I think they were probably the last artist where there were a bit of mystique to it. Like, you still, it was still word of mouth and there were a bit of, like, you had to, like, do a bit of digging to find out what was going on. Or Now it's very instant, isn't it? But I don't get me wrong, there's still great records and people, you know, I'm sure a young person will be like, I remember when I heard Stormzy for the first time. You know what I mean? I get yeah. it. Like, I don't, you're not supposed to get it when you're older, but... Um, it goes back to that point, though, doesn't it? It goes back to that time because what we're talking sort of two thousand six, wasn't it? Ish. Yeah. 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 So it's around about that time. You're still listening to. You're still accessing music through CDs. And I can remember the first time I came across it was going up to. <laughs> it's a it, it's a it's a weird story. We actually jumped in a van and went up to Blackpool for darts in summer of two thousand six. Okay. <laughs> And one of the lads has just dropped in. Oh, have you heard this band, Arctic Monkeys? And it were a group of lads from sort of Rotherham side. Yeah. And uh, we've listened to them. Like, fucking hell, this is decent, isn't it? And then we, we we spent the next sort of six, eight months all getting in and all talking about it and all listening to it. And that's obviously that's sort of pre, pre, it, it, it's come before the, the release of the album. And you're listening to the songs that were on that demo that then went on to the album. You're like, oh, I'm familiar with that. And I get that. And you felt like you were part of something. That's the if key. that makes sense. You just did nail on head. You felt like you were part of something before it became commercial and before it became big. You recognised that song. You recognised that, yeah. that riff. You recognised all of that. Before you'd even seen the faces, you felt like you were part of it. And I think I think that's massive. And you said two crazy. things there. You said two things that are bang on because one, as soon as you heard it, you were obsessed. What I don't yeah. care what it is, where they are, get me into them. We're all into it. We're having it as soon as it came on. And two, there was a distinct feeling that we found this before you lot in London. Yes. Before, yeah. before industry. Oh yes, that's exactly yeah. it, isn't it? And, and I think. Like I think there were a famous quote from uh, editor at NME that said basically they killed us. Like the fans of Arctic Monkeys like destroyed NME because we needed the we should have had the exclusive, but we don't seek us lot up here and uh, well not even up here like on internet we were faster than them on internet forums yeah. word of mouth and sharing it and it that's great isn't it like it's a I bit remember I went on a school trip. This sounds really really posh, but it wasn't at all. But we went on a school trip to Spain and I remember this kid on the coach had got that album or he got a copy of Mardi Bum and something else. And I remember him playing it on the coach and we were all like, this speaks to us. Like, this is it. And then I remember saying to my mum, like, oh, I need a lift. I've got um, a ticket to this gig at the Grapes on Trippet Lane and all that. And when we got there, um, we were outside and like my uncle was outside. My mum was like, oh, how do you know? Them. and he was like oh yeah, James in band and it all just kind of like bubbled I'm not like I said don't, he wouldn't know me if I shattered his face like he doesn't know me at all but it was it was a really weird feeling of yeah we've discovered something before anyone else so it was almost like you know you talk about the Beatles you talk about those sorts of cliques that kind of form from bands and I, I genuinely think that they were one of that sort of, I don't want to I'm say, record, but you know what I mean, like just as good. 
I'll tell you the moment I realised when it and this links into Ryan, who your who's your relation with Kian, who's sadly not with us anymore. And my brother, because Libertines were kept doing secret gigs in London, Pete Doherty was big on like, I'm gonna play in this in this person's flat at offset, whatever. And it was every DIY attitude. And my brother, a band called Arisons from Hillsborough, mm-hmm. Monkeys put a gig on it in a practice room in Neeps and and just basically said, right, bring your mates, we'll have a gig. We're not even promoting, we don't need to promote, we'll just invite as mates. And there were a bit of tension between so my brother, my brother, who were in 1984 at the time, and monkeys were like, we were all and all like Grenaside, Ecclesfield, and Chapel yeah. Town lot were all like best mates. That were the our little crew. Harrison's, although I, like we, they were part of the scene hundred percent and around it and in it, and like there was still some tension between Hillsborough lot and us lot from <laughs> ridiculous, really. And there was a kid called Richard Rice who's also sadly not weirds, and uh, he kind of like flitted between two. He was like a bit of an olive branch. So I've gone to Rice's, we've gone to Netto on Middlewood Road, sucked it all. Uh, his mum's house just off Middlewood Road, and then we've got tram. And everyone, you can, well, you can imagine there's like thirty kids from Chap Echo and Hillsborough in this practice room, and like. There's some bubbling. Your Ryan's there, and some it's bubbling. Was it down at the Wicker? Did you say? It were like it's on like. Do you know where? Uh, do you know where Riverside pub is? Yeah, I remember. Yes, like, I remember about, you or your brother saying about it. Oh, I remember that day. Dad from there, and uh, our kids gobbed off on stage like he used to, and like some it's got. Anyway, a pool ball's got chucked and lots gone. And I mean, it's like <laughs> salu- there's no there's no like security. Oh, it's just our party, isn't it? And it's like I, there's people on pool. Well, the famous line of pool cues in hands, and it's like a riot. I remember he done he done stairs with Rice, just like when when will this be over? Because it's a riot. And uh, long story, I'll try I'll speed the story up. Everyone had gone. Like, oh, Harrison's mob had gone. Half other, our lot had gone. They were like, there were about six of us left in. And monkeys are like, Alex were like fuming, Andy were fuming. And I'm like, you've got to still play. You've got to still play. You can't just, come on, we've come to watch you. And this were just before, the, I think the, I don't think it's, well, they were just writing what they were, we now know as the classic songs. And they played, and they were like, six of us went mental when they were playing. And week after, I went. I met Alex for a drink in Cowan Carf at Grenaside, and he's like, I've got, "I've got a song. Like, I've wrote a song. Like, we're all talking about it." And he come to my mother's and played a certain romance, and I was like, "Yeah, you're a genius. Like, you've nailed yeah. it." And, and uh, like, I've got a tattoo. I don't. Even, I don't. Even... <laughs> yeah. This is ridiculous. We're stripping off on webcam now. We're no. in, Stephen. This is coming on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> That's meant to say see the truth, but it looks like Lee the Truffle. <laughs> and, uh, when he talks about when he talks when he talks about over there, uh, the truth is the uh, seeing the he says his life what is it in a certain romance where, and there's the truth that they can't see. Yeah. yeah. We used to oh man, it's so young and embarrassing now, but we all used to be like, this is way before that song, be like, oh you need to see truth, like truth. See, we, we believe in romance, don't we? Like it was like a thing, like we used to say, and I got it in a song. So, me and Andy had tattoo on first uh, 
on first tour. But yeah, it looks like Lee the Truffle. And I've always been in my phone, our John's phone ever since is Lee the Truffle. <laughs> but yeah, that, that night will like stay with me forever. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because obviously, like, I've got the link there that my cousin was the dickhead with a pool cue in his hands. And that is... There were a few dickheads in that room. Like, that's... But for me, that's, like, that's a huge thing. And we had that as the funeral song. And then my other friend who passed away a couple of years later, he was there that night. We had it as his funeral song. Um, and obviously, there's a bar in town that I tagged during Chris. There's a bar called Indigo. Yeah, I've um, seen it. Down at Kellogg. Yeah. Yeah, and they've now got they. So I think there's like five or six guys that run that. Uh, they all live on my road, but I don't know who they are. Uh, but they were all like really close mates with my cousin. And then they've opened one where the Devonshire Cat used to be, and called that Indigo Resurrection. And they've actually got like the quote and dickheads who like to fight with pool cues in the hands. And then a picture of you at the side of it. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more idea. But unfortunately, you don't drink, that, so they can't that, give you any pot. That night just will go down in like urban legend, really. Like yeah. it were unbelievable, and uh, one of the greatest songs that last twenty five years come out of it. Exactly, exactly. So let's move to the now. The now, lots happened in between. The that now. Time and now, my favorite thing in the entire world, despite knowing you for forever, Steve Bloody Bracknell. I love him. I love him. I don't understand how you and him are the same person. I can't separate it. It's weird. Steve is real. Steve is real. And that's what throws me in that I remember about three or four years ago now, when I was first started getting on like the dating scene again, your brother, uh, John the Reverend that we'll come to, tried to fix me up with our Tommy. And now... He's on Chuffin Bracknell. I just can't get my head around it. Like, where did Steve Bracknell come from? Who is he? <sighs> Why aren't you him? Like, I, what, arse and elbows? I had a... So, back... It does link to that time, because me, Jamie Cook, uh, Tom Rowley, who now plays with Monkeys, but we're in Milburn, Lewis Carnell from Milburn, we all played for Ecclesfield Red Rose football team. Uh, and Lewis and Joe Carnell's dad, Ian, were manager. And Tom Rowley's dad were assistant. And long story short, our kid had bought uh, this ladder camera to be productive and creative, try and get him into some, like, he wanted to make films. And he's like, I need to go out and film something. We're on the park. And I said, here, I've got something, film this. And uh, I just took them two guys off. I was like, one of them were a bit, I think I've, Maybe overemphasize this, but one of them were a bit philosophical, like, you know, <laughs> play out back, lads, don't panic. And then Rob Rowley had come in like an absolute trainer and said, Fuck this lot today, knock them sideways. And if one fades, we all fade and all this. So I just took him off and uh, I put it out and it got a good reaction. But then a sports betting website picked up on it and sent it like viral, this like clip. Um, and I thought, there's something in this. I went, I tried to develop it a bit and do longer episodes, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it got, it ended up getting optioned. It got signed to a company to like, but it, I was, I'm not ashamed to admit, I'll be honest, I were absolutely off my nut at this point. And uh, I kind of just weren't in a position to do it because I was drinking too much, essentially. And 
So three and a half years ago, I stopped drinking because it would do me no good. And that's, I'd always, I'd, I'd, I used to keep me up and arguing, Brat, no, Brat, like it, I've got, I've never like, scratched that itch. Um, so I picked, when I got sober, I promised myself I'd pick, like, Steve's coming back. He's back in a big way. And uh, to be honest with you, I saw, it doesn't get mentioned often, but Matt Exton, who did that Wednesday film. Yeah, we love Matt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he works at Channel 4 now, as he mentioned. Yeah, he's it. an editor at Channel 4. Uh, well, junior editor at Channel 4 is junior editor. I mean, yes, he's only junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's only a junior. He'll, he'll, get, there. he'll get there. He's a long time <laughs> listener. He'll, he'll get over it. He's, uh, I rang him and said, look, Steve's back. And he's like, fucking hell, mate, I love it. So, yeah, just like, it seems a bit weird because I usually do it from character and I feel like I'm breaking fourth wall a bit. No, I know. That's what I mean. That's what I said to you. I was like, are you coming on as Chris or Steve? You know, secrets are. So I just built it and built it. And I think, obviously, people people just see something in that guy what they fucking they love. Whether it's familiarity or a warmth or like a charm, it's 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 all of it because I can speak for having having played on Sundays and you've played at levels and you play with lads that you know will do bits on Saturday and still turn up on Sunday and do it, but they're always run by somebody like Steve. Do you know what oh, I mean? The, the, it's your Sundays. It's your Sundays, and they take it so seriously. And that's there. You you get up, you have your McDonald's breakfast, <laughs> you're out, you do you do it all. You take it's a checklist, isn't it? You go through back in day it used to be collecting green and going through, checking this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah. Taking it all, doing it all. You know, you, you every little bit that you do, it it speaks to every single person, and that's why it's so good, and that's why it's it resonates with so many people because you just go. Been there, seen that, yeah. done that, spoke to that person. It's just, it, it's so real. It's, it, it, it's phenomenal. And all best, I see it as a comedy. And all best comedy. And I'm not putting myself in this bracket, but if you look at like Jim Royal or yeah. like all best comedic characters or Ricky Gervais, like David Brent, they're like you're like him. He's like such and such. Like you all see yourself in them characters, really, and like. I know him. You're, and I think that is touched on a bit of that. And uh, what I really love and what really makes me happy is that obviously this is a live comedy that's unfolding in front of people's eyes online. And it's how like people like just get on board and like they like it's like you lot are even more messed up than us because you're like going along with it. There's no one. <laughs> <laughs> we believe it. Like I've known you since I was like 23, and I believe it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like no, I'm, I'm in. We're all, and not once has anyone questioned that fucking barmy all this. They're just like, no, we're, <laughs> in, we're, we're in this ulterior, alternative world, and we're all fucking fans. Like, let's have it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, that's fucking bizarre. And like, some of the stuff that's cropped up, you're just like, what on earth are we creating here? I remember having an argument with my missus though once, and she went, is that. He's not a character. He's real. He's in front of me. <laughs> <face, yeah. laughs> the thing then, is, though, like the Steve that you have created, like, all right, he'll F and Jeff and he's, you know, we'll get onto it in a bit about the mental health side of things, but he'll he'll be a Sheffield bloke. Like, that. that's who Steve is. That's, that's what he represents, you know, Arsenal bows and all that. 
but he's a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, I think you can see that, like, uh, underneath all the, the whatever, the grandiose, like, almost bullying. He's almost a bully at times, mm-hmm. but underneath it all, his motive's quite beautiful, isn't it? Like, he wants yeah. to just, he just wants to succeed, doesn't he? And be, he just wants that one, he just wants someone to turn around and go, you're the man. And he's never going to get it, but he's forever searching for that. He wants to, you know, probably when he was like 21, he was well-dressed, he was cool, he was downtown, he had like... He was probably in an academy. Yeah, you know, he was like downtown, yeah. like racist where he had swagger on and people thought Steve's cool and then time's kind of dragged him down slowly. And it, But in his head, he, he can't let go of that, I don't think. And I think that's the... You know, so you kind of all the it's same way that like it's like where how he is with house, it's same way like Del Boy is with Rodney. It's like <laughs> it's bullying on a level, but it's coming from a place of love, really. If you'd like scratch surface, you're right. maybe, I'm, maybe I'm looking far too deep into it. Everything you've just said there about you know all the all what he is and who he is, everybody lived it, and those people that are talking about being 21. Yeah. And they've got the world in front of them. They've got they've, they've got the future to look forward to. They're going to make it and they're going to do this, 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 this and this. It very seldom happens. So you can look back at it and you can, like I, like I say, I, I can think of specific people in my life that I've known through football that I look at and go, I can see him in him and I can see him in him and I can see yeah. him in him. Because those people actually do exist. You know, and from, and from, from a local point of view, you know, the, the, the people that you're talking to, Obviously, some of those people are actually real people, you know. And <laughs> this is it. And do you know what I mean? And that's like I, I know we laugh about it, but we say, oh, this fictional character, but a lot of it's not fictional, a lot of it's what you're seeing is real. And yeah. that, mm-hmm. since it got since it's become a bit more popular, I've had people sending me show reels and like actors and that part small time, but they wanted and I'm like, no. No, no, no. That's what I wanted to ask you, Chris. So I'm going to stop you right there. Go on. So if I came to you tomorrow and I was whoever, commissioning editor at ITV, BBC, Channel 4, Magston, whatever, and I said to you, I want to put Steve Bracknell on the telly, 9 o'clock, Thursday night, would you sack off Winnie and our Tommy and Housey and Bob the Bucket would it be a cast of the in-betweeners that came in, or would it be the authentic team? Ah, depends on how big fucking check word, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you can't ever... If, if you go down that path and you get to a commissioning stage and you're talking to a broadcaster, they're going to want some assurances if they're spending a lot of money that they're going to get a level of quality back. But I would argue tooth and nail that the beauty of this is that is the realism and that you know Tommy's on bins. Tommy's getting Tommy's on bins and he's getting beats in the street and uh, you know houses out and about and they're getting stopped for photographs and this. I don't think you can. There's a fine line with Bracknell, and if you get in that world, if you if you get it wrong, you've lost if it. If you get it wrong, it's, it, you plummet. And you know, mm. and if and if it did, I'd be like, oh, we got it wrong. Then you'd live by it. So to say, look, I tried. But like you'd live by it, so you'd die by it. So that's it. You know what I mean? Oh, you see, there's a lot of him in me. There's a lot of you know, <laughs> so when people say it's fictional, I question whether it is or not. 
I, I think no, it's I don't I know. You're a lot more serious than Steve in real life. You're a lot calmer, a lot more sort of zen. You fucking have seen me go. You want to see when I used to drink? <laughs> exactly. That well, that I was gonna come on to that. So obviously, like the last few years, you've been like a massive sort of figurehead for like real life mental health. So Obviously, like your brother John's talked about mental health quite a lot, and he's got the platform, he's got the blue tick, and all that jazz. But you've been out there, and you've kind of said, "Look, I've got a problem. I've dealt with it. I've I've come through it. I'm here for if anyone wants to talk to me." And obviously, that must be. I mean, you and your brother were the first people that got in touch with me when I got all the shit on Twitter that I got, and you know, I'll be forever grateful to like both of you for that but you must sit there and you know you've you've stopped drinking you don't do drugs you still smoke you dirty bastard yeah, but you like, don't <laughs> let's, let's calm it down but you don't you know you are sober you are with it now and whatever else so how not only how much did your life change when you made that decision but also how much does that affect when you see the abuse that your brother gets or that your friends get or whatever, do you kind of, I guess it's two completely different scenarios. I'll break it down. So how did you decide to just go, boom, I'm sober, that's it? Well, um, it's all into, it is all intermingled a bit, but I just never, I suppose, I will talk honestly and openly and frank about it if I can. I'd, first things first, I don't see myself as like a mental health spokesperson. I won't put myself on that pedestal. I just tell my truth and then that's it. Um, and, that, and what else? I can only ever say my experience and my what I've gone through or what I believe. It's all I've got really in it. And it took me, I knew deep down subconsciously I didn't drink like normal people when I drank like I, I can't if I have a pint I can't stop like literally something inside my body goes you, you get ready because you're going on a right ride now and for many a year that was fun and there's a lot of that 80% of that 90% are like that's like I've got fond memories of it and it's beautiful and it's good memories but then there's a a side where I thought this is just there's a dark side to it and all and uh, you know I could I could tell stories about what we've just been on about with parties with monkeys and yeah. Gallagher's and all that shit I can tell all them stories about like being at Wembley Stadium no Gallagher's there I'm off my head and blah 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 and and that's funny and people love it because of the, the environment and the persons and people involved. If yeah. I tell that story and it's uh, <laughs> was the bridge club and Dean. Yeah. It becomes a horror story then. Do you know what I mean? And like it's we like glamorize stuff, don't yeah, we? Like, like, we make it like a sexy thing to do. Yeah, I'm glamorizing it and there's plenty of that. Um but yeah, it just got to a point where it was having a really negative effect on my life. I didn't like what I was becoming. Um so I saw help, basically. Well, I was dragged into some help, and then I thought, no, actually, there might be something in this. Um, and that's my own private way I, I get help. I mean, anyone can ask. I, I'd tell anyone in private how I got help, but I don't like go about shouting it. No. many different ways to get help. And, uh, and, yeah, I've just... I've got a mountain of evidence now to suggest that my life's better when I don't booze. Um <laughs> So any decision to go back boozing is 
is uh, I'm well aware of what the consequences are. And, you know, never say never. I try and like take it a day at a time, really. And just uh, I don't put myself under a It's not like I'm quivering in the corner going, oh, my God. Or, yeah. You know, I just I'm aware of what the risks are if I do go back out and have a bit of a whirl at it again. And, um, you know, I've got a degree since then in occupational therapy in relationships. Oh. You know, right. uh, my relationships have improved massively. Uh, we had one, and and then you did bring up that Twitter thing and that whole thing, and I'm responsible for a lot of that too. I can't. I'm not just going to like sling mud and say, "Oh yeah," and my brother. And I'm sure my brother would say the same. Like, I mean, really, in in grand scheme of the things, it's it's not important, but it can suffer. You your mental health can suffer, and. But, you know, I weren't totally innocent in all that. And I'm sure I could have said the same. And, and, and really, and I suppose it's probably the same for people who are arguing with. All it does is leave you feeling shit inside. Like, you're like, and I, and I suppose what you want deep down is someone to turn around and go, do you know what? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're searching for someone to go, yes, sorry, I was wrong and you're right. And, and I think that this is... A, we're at this place now as like, oh God, we're going a bit deep, haven't we? But like, you're either left or you're right or you're this or you're that. And it's not, the world's not like that. It's like, you mix, it's, it's more complex than that. And I think like, not boozing just give me a bit more clarity and I'm a bit more at peace with myself. And do you know what, mate? If you want, obviously, I'll always try and stick up for people or stick up for what I believe in. I've never made any secret to what I believe in, but. Mm-hmm. Really, like it's not my job to try and convince you what I think anymore, and that's yeah. probably with maturity and being a normal functioning adult. To be honest, like, no, I take I take. Well, that I don't get hung up on it anymore. I don't get hung, hung yeah. up. On it. You know, some of some of the people, some people I deeply love, old, quite twisted views, mm. and that's just the way of the world. You know what I mean? And I'll mm. tell them they can accept it, and then we move on. It's not. You, you know, it's done like, yeah, it's all, it sticks to one half a dozen other a lot of time, to be honest. I think, in fairness, Chris, like to, you know, if I didn't know you, like, I think that you've done a massive thing by talking about, you know, the situation you were in and the demons that you were facing. And there might be someone here tonight that's listening and thinking, shit, yeah, I do that. Or, you know, and if it's that one person that turns around and changes stuff and, you know, I've talked about, you know, I share, I had a smear test this morning. I fucking share that every time I have one because if I hadn't done three times out of the last nine, I'd have probably been dead. So I always talk about it. And I think it's one of the things, it's awful and it's embarrassing and it's, you know, it's really interior, if you want to put it like that. But I think you're doing exactly the same. And if one person, if it's an R Tommy or, you know, a Winnie or whatever, who's down the pub who goes, you know, yeah, I need to get some, you know, maybe not stop drinking. Maybe that's not the issue. Maybe there's more to it than, you know, just well, going to things going, be gam- you know, gambling, fucking, there's all sorts goes on, isn't yeah. it? I mean, cocaine is a massive thing at oh, the moment that people yeah. have got major problems with. Well, you know, like, what I don't want to do is like bang drum all the time because people mm-hmm. like, will just be like, hey, chill out, mate. Like, I know Pete, I'm not like a killjoy. Go and just crack on, like, have a laugh, like, life's for living, do you know what I mean? But as long as people know every now and again that 
just nan again, like, look, if you're struggling, just give us a shout, like, but you don't need... Go on, where, I was just going to ask, where, obviously, the, the, the thing that's caught the most traction recently has been the pretty much the most recent, uh, the, the release, obviously, that you, you put out there. That's It's had a lot of retweets. It's had so much love. It's probably the biggest thing that you've done. Um, yeah. where, where did that actually come from and what sort of, what what led to it? Selfish reasons, really, because um, I want to, with, with this Bracknell thing, I, 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 there's, a, there's a complete backstory and, and a world that no one's ever seen that's in my head and on paper and like, there's a lot going on that I, can't, that I simply cannot show in two minutes 20 online because yeah. she's restricted to that. And Twitter feels like as natural home, really. And like we can do TikTok, which is 20 second sound bites. We've just gone viral on there. We're like over 2 million views and stuff. Just getting that in, not, you know, just dropping that. That's our in. Olivia, though, that's running that. But that's instead. our Olivia doing that. And, <laughs> but really, I've always known that there's a deeper story, it's a deeper story here. And I thought, I've got to punch, I've got to hit them in gut here to get, I've got to lower them, I've looked, we've lowered them in with comedy, now we're going to hit them with, like, and I think what it's done is, one, I didn't, I don't, and this is me being honest, I don't think I realised how good it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew that, I knew the scenario and I knew the type of conversation I wanted, I wanted to occur, but I didn't realise just how real it had come across. Um, and I think it's, I hope, and the feedback I'm getting suggests that people have gone, all oh, right, okay, there's some more going on with this guy. I so that that was the reason I had it because for the to try and show people that this project's bigger and deeper than to, like a guy falling out of a tree or trying to find a ball in a bush. Um, so yeah, that was the reason for doing it. But then the reaction reaction wise, what I it's been amazing, but also quite shocking. How many people's been in touch? Going, were you were you prepared for the the reaction that it? No, no, bigger than you I, thought it was. Yeah, I went. To, I was laying in bed all the night, so I'm terrible for staying up at night. Me, I come along. Can you hear me? You've... Yeah, you just froze then, but I think we've got you back now. Yeah, uh, no, I weren't prepared for the reaction. Basically, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, no, I went back to the action and it was a little bit upsetting. I th- I'm like a vampire. I stay up late at night, me. And I went downstairs and I'd got some messages on the bottom lid did start going on like, I think it was like a random Thursday night. And I'm like, fucking shit, there is people out there. But, you know, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what can you say when like lads are texting saying, I've just told my wife that I'm I'm, that I'm struggling and it's like you've done that because we've done that and if that's yeah but that wasn't I, I can't sit here and go that was my uh that was my aim to that was my motive was to get people talking it weren't really it were, it were for purely selfish reasons for project but it turns out that it's had that effect I think it's it's like I said it's like I think it's one of those things that if you keep banging on about it and even if you piss people off about it, like I know that everyone who follows me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever hates the hashtag don't neglect your foof. But yet again, every year I'll be like, I've just had a smear test. Have you booked yours? 
because I'd nearly died three times because of mine. And the amount of people that send me a message, normally privately, but some people comment on stuff. Sorry, my rabbits are shaking in the background. <laughs> but some people comment on stuff and be like, shit, I hadn't booked mine. I need to book it in. And I'm like, brilliant. That's that's exactly the point of this message. And so I guess with that, if you've got one person, like we talked about my cousin earlier, and obviously it's a sore subject that my cousin took his own life through suicide. And it was it was shit. It was absolutely shit for all of us involved. Um I think we all kind of saw it coming, but yet we're powerless to do anything from yeah, it. Yeah. Um, because I think the demons that he had anyway, you know, would have eradicated any kind of talking to friends or whatever. Um, but I do wonder now, you know, if there's a young lad who's, you know, 20s, 30s, teens, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, who watches that video and thinks, actually, I'm going to message my mate Dave and say, Dave, I need to go for a pint or a coffee or just for tea or fish and chips or go fishing or whatever. Maybe that's... Jesus Christ! They're at it, them rabbits, aren't they? Rampant, rampant. What I like about that, um, what I like about the clip, if I'm honest, is that Steve didn't know how to react. He didn't know what to say to him. So, and and his only his only answer is to say, well, um, why don't you come for Sunday dinner and have cauliflower cheese, you know? And it's yeah. not like, because if you're, you keep hearing this, oh, we need to talk, it's okay to talk, blah, 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 and you're like, yeah, but then what? <laughs> I'm not a mental health, but there's something beautiful about Steve not having the answer to it and just just, just patting him on le- patting him on leg and saying, look, come to mind for roast beef. That's, it's beautiful. It's you know, absolutely, honestly, if... If that was shown on Channel 4 as an advert for, is it Calms or whatever it is that's the kind of thing at the moment, I think so many people would relate to that, even though obviously it's got a Yorkshire action and it's like, oh, the Sheffield and blokes and whatever. That kind of makes I it think so, people, so many people would go, shit, yeah, that's that's real. We're having a big discussion, subtitles or not subtitles, subtitles or not subtitles. Now, like, we've got to we'll subtitle it. It'll be it'll work because I've, I've got, for some reason, I've got right into watching all programmes with subtitles. Try it. It's brilliant. I don't know why. I just focus more. Um, and uh, I've got ADHD. I can't do that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing or other. The other thing, like, I'm fed up of things being watered down to try and please everybody. And uh, especially when we try and film football footage. For some reason, no one's ever been able to nail football, like real football footage. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really gets on my, gets me go that. So I was just like, right, play a match and you're going to walk around. It's literally like someone's like on Hills Park in the middle of a football game with a camera. And I'm like, why don't they do that at this level? Like, it's the simple, and it, it needs to be it needs to be authentic, doesn't it? Because I, I hate it when they're like, well, it needs to appeal to all and be family friendly. It's like, no, it doesn't. Mm. You just, what you're doing is just diluting something that's really pure. Yeah. I don't want to rant now, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's um, it was fucking amazing that reaction. 
It's good. Uh, just obviously to to sort of bring that element of it to a close. I, I, th- I think just to everything that we've said about um, Steve tonight, it's, it's so real. It's so, and your point there around the fact that he doesn't know how to react and people, it's all well and good saying it's good to talk and we need to talk and it's the right thing to do. You know, in 2022, men need to be able, and we'll say it, men need to be able to reach out and say things. But I think from my personal point of view, I'm very much of the opinion that we're, we're we're very good at saying this is what needs to be done, but we don't know how to do it. If that makes exactly sense, exactly that. It's exactly that. Well, what when it's what about when he tells me? Yeah, because yeah. then what do I do? Because I'm not a mental health expert, mate. Like, and that's kind of what I wanted to get across. Like, he just sat with him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And uh, right, well, that... cheese. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah. You're right, it needs to move on now to go, if they tell you that, this is what you can do. Yeah. And probably it's not going to fucking include cauliflower cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, obviously, we, we, we've alluded over the, through the night about um, your, your sort of past in getting to know certain band members. I think the most, the most famous person that you probably, or the one that you relate to most, would be your brother. Um, and for those first-time listeners, not those that aren't familiar, obviously John's the leader, Reverend, Reverend and the Makers. Um, how's he finding things at the minute? How's he getting on? Um, he's all right. He's uh, yeah, I'm very close to our kid. Always have been, and uh, hopefully always will be. And uh, he's all right. He's just, he's it's hard, isn't it? He's trying to you know he's been in game now for twenty years, and. Uh, which is success in itself. Like, yeah. don't use Arctic Monkeys as any sort of template for any band because they're off the scale. Like, but if you look at bands that were around at the same time as Revenant Makers, yeah. they're just not. They're just not there. So, like, the fact that my brothers even exists as a musician still is success in my eyes. But yeah, he's had his latest single got single at week on Radio Two, and he. It just plugs away, man. And, uh... It's a great song, isn't it? It's like, it's it's almost like an art. I know we keep coming back to them, but like the Arctic Monkeys, like you buy one album and you could be listening to one band called like A. And then you'll buy next album, it could be B. Next album could be C and it could be all completely different. And I feel like this next generation of the Reverend, it's just completely different. It's almost yeah. like there's a scar sort of theme. There's a... Sort of Africa. Obviously, he's been to Africa and he's been learning about music in Africa, but it's just so different. And his voice is beautiful, isn't it? Can you sing, Chris? Of course, I fucking can. <laughs> <laughs> I, like to, I like to think I can, but no, not really. I, I, I sing each shower in that. Um, I love a sing, but I'm, I won't fucking put myself out here as a singer. No chance. But his voice um, is so pure on this latest single and album, whatever. And it's just, it's so different. Yeah, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll never... He thinks deep and hard about his art, hard, John. Like, if he mm. really goes deep... And he, he refuses to make the same album twice. And uh, I have to respect him because when he, when he says, I'm going to do this, he goes and does it. You know what I mean? It might take him a year or so. Yeah. But he'll, he'll get, in terms of, like, grafting as a musician, he puts the, he puts the grafting. And, uh, like I said, just... just Doing it as a career is success, really. And um I think time will be a lot time will be kind to Reverend Makers, I think. Like mm-hmm. in the future when they look back and they look at the body of work, they'll go, All right, yeah, you you hung in there, didn't you? And and I think uh 
I think, yeah, I think looking back, they'll have a lot of respect for him as a band. And obviously, I was there. I, was, I knew it was going to happen. But the moment it happened and Steve Bracknell came on the stage at Tramlines Festival 2022, oh, my God. Like, what was... So it was always going to happen like that. It's one of those things that I was shocked and then I wasn't shocked at all because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Obviously, the sound was a bit shit because of the, the rain and whatever else. But suddenly on stage, I said this, I'm Steve Bracknell and I'm assistant manager. I was like, oh, my God, no, surely not. <laughs> Steve, and, Steve and our Nicky, they'd be into Reverend Makers. <laughs> they the heavyweight champion at world, didn't they? And, uh... I love it. He's not right chuffed about monkeys playing Hillsborough Park, is he? But, uh, no, because of course that's the training pitch, <laughs> isn't it? Training the Royal pitch. Oak. He's trying to write to Domino Records now, saying you can't fucking <laughs> do that to me and that. But uh, no, Hillsborough Park, Reverend Makers and Steve Bracknell's like a match made in heaven, and it? It's got to happen, hasn't it? Amazing. Because you did the O2 Academy, didn't you? Because I had COVID for that gig, so I couldn't go. But you went on stage there and did... The well, he's dream, there's, a, there's a clip in there where Steve's in bathroom and he's uh, pretending to be Liam Gallagher, which everybody's done, but no one admits. <laughs> and I've been looking at Stevie there. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> Everybody has like two minutes on their own where they're like, well, I'll just like arch me back a bit, get my teeth out and just, you know, get made up to the mic and I'll just be in for two minutes. But obviously, like, Nicky catches him in act and he's like all flustered. So uh, <laughs> Joe Cardinal had seen it and asked Steve to, if he wanted to do acquiesce. And, uh, that oh, worked. yeah, it was Joe Cardinal, wasn't it? Yeah, not Reverend, yeah. So that were Steve pretending to be Liam, but then Chris being Steve, Steve, but really <laughs> pretending to be Liam. <laughs> And if you can follow that, you're doing well. <laughs> you can work that one out. It's not fictional, this is what I mean. So we've got to touch on, obviously, people have tuned in. This is the Wednesday week, and you are a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Obviously, you sit near me, Aunt North. That's how I know you. I know you for fucking hell far too long. So what has your life been like as a Sheffield Wednesday fan like how did you get into it was it your mum was it your dad was it granddad grandma we're on a Wednesday podcast and we haven't mentioned them for an hour I know they're doing um, it this week we're doing a special with you it's fine how was my life been as a Wednesday I'd say as yours fucking terrifying and crap <laughs> uh, no I was can you very... remember your first game Chris I remember going to reserves uh, with my uncle Gary and our Tom, uh, my first proper memory, like a Wednesday, was my dad. See, my dad weren't right into football. He's never been. He's from Cumbria, my dad. And it, my mum's like bread and butter Sheffield. She was born on uh, ABC Streets opposite Barrick Tavern. Like she's like her side of family's like blue and white in blood. And um, my first memory were uh, Sheridan scoring in final and me. My cousin Dink. Mark, he had Down syndrome, bless him. And uh, he was like a, my cousin, but like friend of family. So, and he was sound floor. He used to love sticking football stickers in. And that's the, I've seen my dad go crazy twice to a football, to, to football. And that were once when Sheridan smacked that in, and two when Man United scored two in last minute European Cup final. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember going like, I remember that day, but. My uncle were mental crazy on Everton. 
absolutely Everton nut. And which is basically, so I were really nearly an Everton fan, which is just a higher standard of heartbreak, really, isn't it? Yeah, at least you're the blue side of the city. You know, you used to be in a bit shit. It's, it's so fine. I, I used to get sent Everton shirts, but always have a Wednesday shirt. I'm talking like nine, like five or six, like 91 time here. And uh, 92, 93, started first ever Premier League season. At first ever Premier League match that Wednesday played in were Everton away at Goodison. And my dad, we went, but we were in Everton end. Wednesday played in that yellow and black strip. And I, I remember going, and in my head I was like, right, I'm like a, I must be an Everton fan because I'm with my uncle. Malcolm and literally, like you think I'm romanticizing this, but I'm not. Everything changed when I saw Chris Waddle. Everything, like, <laughs> and I, I like. I think that's nearest I've ever come to truly, truly being in love with another man. <laughs> and, uh, it, went, do you know if he's ever watched Steve Bracknell? Yeah, he's into it. I think he's into it. Yeah, yeah. I've been out for a drink with Waddle, and that is a. Uh, which is just mental, isn't it? Like, right. So I come back that day and cried in Cowan Calf Beer Garden and said to my dad, <laughs> I'm a Wednesday eye. And he's like, you need to ring your uncle Malcolm. I've never been so scared. And he was just laughing. But then that whole period, that that whole like period was like, I was born in, I don't know how old you guys are, but how old are you, Steve, can I ask? Mid 40s. Right. <laughs> Mid 40s. <so> like, <laughs> Victoria. 34. 34. So, so you're, yeah, well, you know what the history of your club, of course you do. And I, I was born into that. And I, and I, if I could be transported back to any time or any place, I'd be, I'd be in my Auntie Christine's kitchen uh, on a Saturday tea time with like uh, condensation on windows, praise the grumbles on. <laughs> Wednesday's just beat someone at home in like 1992 and it's like because Stevie's like nearly filling up here isn't it? <laughs> and, it, and it was you spent, night, you'd spent night you'd spend that night studying greener yeah yeah I'd just read yes. back you'd read back page for like six hours and remember you're looking at what, what minutes said how many are scored in yeah who, who scored what score were at half time what crowd yeah. were what league oh, I just want yeah. to do it back. 100% 100% and uh <laughs> It was just magical. And we had these players that were like magical. And and Sheffield just seemed like, well, blew off anyway, just seemed in love with that team and that time. And I probably romanticised it and there's loads of nostalgia around it, but I was just obsessed. And it grabbed me heart. Like, I've never loved out like I've loved Wednesday. <laughs> That's Same. like ridiculous. And like, you know. And she I breaks to... your heart. Week in, week out. Yeah. She fucks you over financially, emotionally. She'll cheat on you. Like like when Forestieri refused to travel that game, I remember feeling like I'd been cheated on. Like it was disgusting when Di Canio went missing after that push. But you're still it's there, isn't it? It's yeah, just... You know, we all feel it. And I think we always, the, you know, other half will always take Mickey out of us saying we're massive and all that. I get it. I get why they get annoyed with us, but it's mm. kind of true. Like the, the the deep, if this club ever gets back to that Premier League, like the, the fucking lot will go off. Do you know what I mean? I don't, And I know that whoever comes in, Darren Moore, whoever it is, 
they know that and it's worth that risk to go do you know what i'm coming in because if i if i do it i've got a statue up outside the stadium you know what i mean it, it, yeah it, and uh whoever does take us up back up it'll happen one day i'm sure whoever does it for me would be the greatest wednesday player or manager ever now it's been that long and, so i'm going to stop you there chris and I want you to channel, to channel your inner Steve. And I want to think, so Saturday afternoon, we're going to sign off after this. Saturday afternoon, 3pm, we're playing Shrewsbury at home. If Steve Bracknell is in that dressing room, what is he going to say to that first 11? What will Steve Bracknell say? This Saturday at home to Shrewsbury? This Saturday at home to Shrewsbury. I think he'd walk in. Calm, he won't go in all guns blazing. Obviously, fucking, yeah. It's fucking, I mean, you know, he'd push a few with fucking chest. Cold in it today. It's fucking wet out there. You all want to watch World Cup, don't you? Maybe, you know, fucking bang on wall. Well, you don't fucking <laughs> watch, you don't watch fucking anything until you've dealt with this lot. Because they're going to come and park bus. And it's up to you to find your creation. Up to you. Playing for badge. Yeah, you're playing. You're, when you walk out today, have a look to the left. Look at that cop. I fucking do not do because <laughs> that's not Bradnell, that's me. I just fucking give me a tease. I fucking, you know, just fucking let me have 10 minutes with you. And obviously, like Chris, before we go, like we had the moment last year, wasn't it, during lockdown where we were doing Shay's Triathlon and his podcast, and we'd done the interview with Steve. Which Shay, Shay believes in Steve. Like, I'm not going to ruin that for him. But then we have the moment that we got Barry oh, Bannon on. And <laughs> you were buzzing. Oh, you my. were absolutely wetting yourself, texting me like, oh my God, any minute now. And I was like, I'm not telling you when. I'm just going to press I'm, that I'm 36 year old. <laughs> I've been in rooms with like fucking, I've met all my heroes. I've like, not Barry Bannon. I could name drop. Big time. Barry Bannon, he inboxed me on Twitter and I lost my <laughs> fucking head. Running around the house. Barry Bannon! Barry, Barry's messaged me! Barry's messaged me! I love him so much. He's like... Oh, I'm just like, it was so off. funny, Stevie. So to give you, like, obviously context, we were doing Chase Triathlon. We'd done the podcast the week before with Steve Bracknell and... You know, Shay was buzzing that we got Steve Bracknell. Then Chris said, wouldn't it be funny if... And it just kind of went from there where... Because we knew that Barry had watched a bit of Steve and he, he kind of got it. I still think Barry might think... I don't think Barry totally understands it, mate. No, he does. He does because does he get it? after we'd done the call, Shay's internet cut out and he said to me, he was like, is he real? And I went, no, do you know who he is? He's the guy off the Arctic Monkeys album, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, oh, fucking hell, yeah, I get it now. Like, um, So he does know now, at the time, he probably didn't. I'm, he just probably thought... I'm, I'm literally just buzzing that Barry Bannon knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. So funny, but it was just such a funny moment to watch Steve Bracknell appear and be like, have I clicked on AGM for Sunday League? Nicky, Nicky. And Barry Bannon was pissing yeah, he got it. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? He's oh, an absolute... it was so funny. He's an absolute credit to our club, Bannon. He is. Like, 
how he represents, how he condones himself uh, on pitch and off it. Like, it's what you want in it. And I think if if he takes us up this year, he's up there for me because he's stuck, oh, yeah. he's stuck by us, hasn't he? I think there was, there was a period when he was first made captain, when it was kind of like switching in between him and Hutchinson and whoever else, that I wasn't 100% sure because he was so hot-headed as is Barry Bannon. But I think in the last few years, probably since he's had, like, Elsie, he's calmed down a lot and he's just a quite... He still gets angry. We all get angry. I think I think to, to that point, though, we, the, the problem that Bannon will always face is that he's always going to get that backbite that people go, well, it's just League One or it's just Championship or whatever else. Nobody's telling me, and I say this week in, week out on podcast, nobody's telling me that if we weren't playing two leagues, I, you won't be part of that team. Yeah, and I'll tell you another 100%. thing else there. And I'll go out and say this, and I'll, if I get slagged, in... In an old, that early 90s team that we've been discussing, and you know, I'm putting Bannon on bench. I'm putting Bannon on bench. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I think he's, I think he would, he'd be good enough to play alongside them. People like Carlton Palmer and that might disagree. I like Palmer. I've got a lot of time for him, but I know you were saying something. This conversation cropped up, but I think he's in and around that squad. Is that good? I think yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 100%. And the fact that he's stuck with us despite where we are. Puts him in that conversation, doesn't it? Well, he's transcended now, Annie, he, into like he's just like part of club's history, and like he's a Wednesday night. Just it just oozes out of him, doesn't it? What it is mm-hmm. to be a Wednesday night, and uh, I could talk about Barry Barron for another three hours if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, we're going to let you go, but tell us, you know, what is the future of Steve Bracknell in? 90 seconds like what is coming up what can we expect what do we need to petition for he's about to announce the biggest sponsorship deal that grassroots football in Sheffield has ever seen is it mailing bridge motors no oh. I'm not saying too much but Bracknell is about to drop an absolute bombshell on Sunday League football this sponsorship oh, is a game changer do you know what the irony is, right? My mum is obsessed with Steve Bracknell, obviously. Babs is Steve's mum now. Like, it's <laughs> like <laughs> she's buzzing about it. But Gary Wainwright, off of Mailing Bridge Motor, sits behind us at match. And every time he comes up, she goes, fuck Wainwright, bloody black no, Gary, no, bloody Wainwright. And you've got cheek to call it fictional. I know, I know, I it's so case. real. It is so real. Well... Chris McClure, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We've loved talking to you. We cannot wait for the next of the Bracknell saga, the next Reverend in the Makers album, the next Steve Bracknell on an Arctic Monkeys album. That would be the dream, let's be honest. But thank you so much. I'm going to stop recording. Hold on, bear with me. The Wednesday Week is sponsored by Michael Constantine Wealth Management. We bet you can't find a financial advisor closer to Hillsborough Stadium. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.